Hi, everybody. Ezra Levant here. How you doing? I'm the Rebel Commander here at Rebel News. I used to do a daily live stream every weekday for an hour. Sometimes I'd go for an hour and a half. I know you find that shocking to think I could fill that much airtime, but I'm a little chatty. Um, but then things got so busy. The size of our team doubled. We had 30 staff when the pandemic started. Now we've got 65. There are so many moving parts. We spun off a charity called the Democracy Fund. That's an enormous project. And so all these other things took up my time. And I made the decision that I could not afford to do an hour or more in the middle of the day on a live stream. And I'm not sure if that was the right decision. In some ways it was because, my gosh, I mean, think about what's happened over the last two years. I was doing all these daily live streams, especially in 2020. But now we've got 10 more journalists, the lovely Drea Humphrey, in Vancouver, Lincoln J, Isabel Rivoche, Tabitha Peters, Alexa Lavoie, Katie Davis-Cord, Jeremy Lafredo. These are just some of the names of people who have joined our team. So even though I myself did a little yes, yapping, we had so many other yappers who were yapping with me. But I feel like I ought to come back and do more live streams, first of all, because I like it. Second of all, I have a lot of things to say. And third of all, now that the crisis is less critical, it's still a crisis, by the way, all the problems that led to the lockdowns under the pandemic, they're still there, all the authoritarian impulses in government, all the failed checks and balances, those problems are still out there. But at least in terms of running the rebel, uh, I feel like things are a little calmer and there is no way I cannot make time for a live stream, at least when I'm in the city. And I am in the, our world headquarters at least three days a week, sometimes more. So I'm going to try and be here 30 minutes, just 30 minutes, because I love it and I miss it and I have things to say. I still do have a nightly show, which I've been doing loyally for the last, well, it's been more than five years now. If you haven't seen that yet, you can go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. Last night I did a blockbuster show I don't want to talk about it because I will literally get nauseous. I gagged five times yesterday recording it. We had to stop, re-record, stop, re-record. I do not want to do that on live TV. I was talking about that cricket farm in London, Ontario. If you know what I'm talking about. The CBC says talking about the cricket farm is a conspiracy theory, but there is a cricket farm. Hey, um, Olivia, can you call up the tweet from Ellis Dawn? Ellis Dawn is the name of a large construction company in Canada. You may see their signs at any construction site. And um, they announced, they, you know, just pump it up there, um, the world's largest, in, I, I, can, I can't quite read, there we go, pump it up for my, the world's largest uh, cricket production facility is officially complete. The Aspire Food Group's new plant in London, Ontario, is ready to produce 9,000 metric tons of crickets annually, and here's the key part, for human and pet consumption. Human and pet consumption. This is not a political pundit site. This is not some conspiracy theorist site. It is Ellis Dawn. The constructors, and I don't know if you saw that tweet went super viral. I can't imagine Ellis Dawn has had more than like 50 retweets in its existence on social media. But they, you know, the definition of a gaffe is when you accidentally speak the truth. They talked about this cricket farm being for human consumption, and that just, whoo, 
that just lit a fuse and the CBC was doing damage control. Say, oh no, it's not really for people. And oh no, it's a conspiracy theory. So last night I did a whole show debunking the claim that it was a conspiracy theory. So that was my Ezra Levant show last night. I gagged five times report. I just can't talk about eating bugs without getting nauseous. And there's something to that. By the way, there is a reason, whether you believe in God or believe in Darwin and evolution or a bit of both, there is a reason why we recoil at rotting food, at maggots. It's nature's way or God's way, whatever your choice, to say, don't eat that. That's rotting. Don't eat that. That's not good for you. To, in, to get that gag reflex, that is your body's way of saying, don't eat that. I'm not going to talk about it because I'm getting nauseous just talking about it. We don't want that again, Olivia. <laughs> so that's, I want you to tune in to that show where actually once in a while we take a show from behind the paywall and we put it out for free because we want everyone to see it. And um, we're going to put the cricket one. We're going to put the cricket one out. You've got to see what they're doing. You've got to see. I'd like to say hello to the 600 people watching live on Rumble. I'd like to say Hello to the 400 people watching live on YouTube. Hopefully we can get those numbers up. I'd be grateful if you just shared this live stream right now. Thank you. Uh, for the next uh, 25 minutes or so, I want to talk about a name that you would not have ever heard in your life <clears throat> if you relied on Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster and their government journalists as your information. And by the way, a lot of people do. There's a lot of parts of this country where the only radio station you can really get is the CBC and where there is no local newspaper. And so the website that is in your community is probably the government news website, the CBC. If the CBC was your window on the world, if that was the only way you could know what was happening, you would not know the name Leif Maroof. It's an unusual name, isn't it? Laith Maroof. Hey, let's go to the cbc.ca search engine. So go to the cbc.ca. You'll see this. This is their search engine. And just type in that unusual last name, Maroof, M-A-R-O-U-F. And I'm going to do it here alongside it in real time. And you'll see the most astonishing thing. There are some hits for the word Maroof. Montreal mansion of Pornhub owner destroyed in criminal fire. I, that's a story from a year and a half ago. Um, Taliban, that's a story from five years ago. Like you see the, all the story 2020, 2013, 2019, 2019, the year 2000, there was a story. So there are, according to my search, there are nine times in the entire digital history of the CBC nine times the word Maroof. That's a very unusual name, isn't it? Like It's like Ezra Levant. There's not a lot. Of, it's not like John Smith. There's only one Ezra Levant. There's only one Laith Maroof that I have ever heard of. Maroof itself is a very rare name. So typing in Maroof would capture it, wouldn't it? The CBC has used the word Maroof nine times in its history but never about Laith Maroof and never in the last month, have they? They just have not. Hey, now I'd like you to do one more thing, Olivia. Go to Google. Just go to Google. Open up a Google page. I'll do it on my computer too. Go to Google and just literally type in the same word. 
M-A-R-O-U-F. Just touch it. And you see, yeah, just type it. And just hit return. And look at those four things that pop up. National Post. Trudeau reiterates there will be a full review of funding for anti-racism program after Latham Roof scandal. National Observer, that's a left-wing news site. Justin Trudeau has been weirdly silent about Latham Maroof. Mosaic Magazine, how Canadian anti-racism efforts elevated an anti-Semitic bigot. National Post again, Jamil Giovanni. Trudeau liberals have a pattern of racism much bigger than Latham Maroof. Do you see that gray button that says more news? Click on that. There's a lot of stories. True North, The Guardian. The Guardian is a very left-wing newspaper in, from the UK. Canada cuts anti-racism program after lead consultant's vile tweet service. Laith Maroof tweeted a series, blah, 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 blah. Actually, I do see one from the CBC sneaked in there. Consultant Laith Maroof's comments were anti-Semitic and xenophobic. Isn't that funny? Because it doesn't show up on their search engine. This is the only example. You saw me search on the CBC website. Look at this. They actually had one in, but they blocked it from their own internal website. Isn't that amazing? You cannot search for this story on the CBC website. They are blocking you from finding this on the CBC's own website. That's amazing. I had actually not been able to find a story on the CBC. I just found it now, but not from their own internal engine. So who is Leith Maroof? He's a vicious anti-Semite. He also hates... The French language, people hates Quebecers, Quebecois hates them, uh, hates our soldiers, hates our way of life, calls Canada colonizers. He despises our country. So, of course, Justin Trudeau gave him a massive grant to teach anti-racism. Maybe O.J. Simpson will be hired to teach feminism or something or anger management. O.J. Simpson was a guy who murdered his wife a few years back. Um, So the CBC has a cone of silence, not only around the story, but around their own website. I'm shocked that you cannot find that story using their own search engine, and I'm sorry that's not an accident. Laith Maroof is a vicious anti-Semite who set up sort of a shell company that not only did Laith Maroof get grants, but his company has and has for years. And by the way, Laith Maroof did anti-racism training, which was actually racism training. He'd been doing it for years, including for journalists, and not a single one of them said, hey, uh, maybe this guy teaching Jew hatred isn't the best use of our tax dollars, let alone anti-racism. But silence, silence, silence from the bosses. But there are a couple of Jews left in in the liberal party. I don't know what they're doing there. I mean, the party is anti-Israel as they come. But look at this tweet from Anthony Housefather. He's a very irritating liberal MP, but he is an MP and he is a Jew and he's from Montreal. And he said this, pleased that the contract with CMAC, that's the company that Maruf has, has been ended and that CMAC needs to account for its hiring of Maruf. But we need to also ensure that the Ministry of Canadian Heritage accepts accountability. We need a thorough review and measures taken to stop this happening again. Now, that's a stunning thing for a sitting Liberal MP to say, to criticize his own own government. 
You can imagine how bad things are within the Liberal Party if Anthony Housefather feels the need to say this, to distance himself, and that he can't get any traction within the party. Michael Levitt is another very interesting tweet. He's a former MP from downtown Toronto, also a Jew. And he said, this, it's actually more incredible than the last. He says, looking back on events over the last week with regards to Maroof affair, I'm utterly disheartened. Taking a stand against anti-Semitism should be given, should be a given. And yet so few of my former liberal colleagues have done so. This truly hurts. Jewish MPs shouldn't be left to call this out alone. That is extremely touching. I've had the opportunity to meet Michael Levitt once or twice, and I disagree with him on a lot of things, but, you know, he's not a bad man. I'm not sure if he was driven out of the Liberal Party, but he left it a few years back. And you can tell that he must be frustrated. Imagine saying, I am deeply disappointed in my former colleagues that they are silent on this explicit anti-Semitism. Gee, I wonder why Michael Levitt isn't being quoted in CBC stories about Maroof. Hey, do you think that if a former prominent MP in the Conservative Party had dashed and bashed the Conservatives, do you think the CBC would cover that as a news story? Oh, just maybe. Let me show you another prominent Ottawa personage. His name is Michael Geist. He's a law professor at University of Ottawa. Here's what he says. I'm the grandson of Holocaust survivors who thinks it shouldn't be too much to ask the heritage minister to say something, anything, about officials in his department funding an anti-Semite despite multiple warnings. Instead, the parliamentary secretary suggests I'm racist. And scroll down to show what that parliamentary secretary says, Chris Biddle. He's smearing Geist, saying, at this point, you're now deliberately, deliberately misleading your followers. So strange. I'm told you're a respected academic. Why would a respected academic do that? Blinded by hate for Pablo Rodriguez? Is it because the minister responsible looks like this? So, got it, got it, got it. So, Laith Maroof is not the racist. It's because Ahmed Hassan is black. Michael Geist, you see, is the racist. The grandson of Holocaust survivors who says, can we please stop anti-Semitism? He's racist because he says that. Because, hey, here's a picture of a black guy. The parliamentary secretary calls Michael Geist a racist because he's actually against racism. Hey, go to cbc.ca just one more time. I want to I see if they covered that Michael Levitt thing. I'm pretty sure they did not. Yeah, so just put that up on the screen and type Michael Levitt, L-E-V-I-T-T. -T. I think that's how he spells it. And then toggle it by, um, uh, can you sort by date? Because this, I want to see if there's anything in like the last week or so. Is it possible to sort that by date? Don't think so? Okay, so he, like it's not popping up, right? There's stories from a year ago, from two years ago. 
Okay, try another way. Go to, I won't, listen, the CBC is doing everything in their power to distract from this. Um, so this is a real anti-racism expert. Trudeau just sloshes around the money for this stuff. Um, you know, he's got all these anti-racism experts whose main job is to call people racist for Trudeau. And if you dare criticize Trudeau in, every, in any way, um, they'll just deploy these racism experts and um, poof, you're racist. They'll even do it to uh, Michael Levitt. Sorry, to Michael Geist. Now, Olivia, I'm going to send you a link to a video that I did, I don't know, about seven years ago when I was younger and thinner and had even more of my gorgeous hair. So I just clicked send on that. It's a video about Omar Al-Gabra, or Al-Jabra, I'm not sure how to say it. Let me know when you got it. You could actually go to YouTube and just type in Ezra Levant, Omar Al-Jabra, Rebel News. Seven years ago, Trudeau appointed one of his campaign lieutenants to, to cabinet. Yeah, it's that second one, that's right there. Here, I'll, I'll do the video, I'll let the video do the talking. Why don't you play a few minutes of this video? This is from seven years ago. I think it's just as relevant today. Take a look. Oh, we'll try it again. No worries. I threw that at you, a curveball. Um, I've studied this guy, Omar al-Jabra, because he was the head of the Canadian Arab Federation. He was a vicious anti-Semite, and now he's in the inner circle of Trudeau. Take a look again. Dangerous news. Justin Trudeau just appointed a Saudi-born extremist, Omar al-Jabra, to be parliamentary secretary to the foreign minister. He's now in charge of Canadian consular affairs, our consulates around the world. With thousands of Syrian migrants flooding into Canada and the risk of Islamic terrorism at an all-time high, this is a recipe for disaster. You see, Omar al-Jabra says that terrorist groups like Hamas and Hezbollah are not actually terrorist groups. He doesn't think they should be illegal in Canada. He doesn't think Canadian journalists should even be able to call them terrorists. He even opposes having a Canadian no-fly list. Just curious, because he himself was once stopped by U.S. agents when he wanted to fly to the States. And this guy is now in charge of Canadian consular affairs. He's the deputy, really, to the foreign minister. He's an official parliamentary secretary. Oh, but boy, does he hate Israel. He's pathological about it. He doesn't even think Canadian officials should visit Israel. He doesn't think Canadian officials should even participate in a Jewish charity walk in Toronto. He thinks Israel is, quote, cruel and brutal. Outrageous. Here, I'm going to give you the facts proving every assertion I've just made and more. Omar al-Jabra was born in Saudi Arabia to Syrian parents, so basically the two most fascist pro-terrorist places in the world. Now, it's possible that he couldn't wait to get out of there and come to Canada and embrace our values of liberty, equality of men and women, separation of mosque and state, things like that. But no. Once in Canada, he ran the Canadian Arab Federation, a group that is so anti-Semitic, it had its government funding cut off. They sued, but the courts ruled that, in fact, it was reasonable to call them anti-Semitic. Here, let me quote the Federal Court of Appeal. Quote, there are mixed views about what constitutes anti-Semitism, 
and whether the Federation's conduct could be perceived to be anti-Semitic, the federal court found the record was replete with articles and statements that supported the minister's characterization of the Federation. <laughs> yeah, you think? I said he doesn't think terrorist groups should be illegal. Here's proof. Here's Omar al-Jabbar's press release opposing the criminalization of terrorist groups like Hamas and Hezbollah. This is the man Justin Trudeau thinks will protect us? I said al-Jabbar doesn't think journalists should even be able to call terrorist groups terrorist groups. Here's proof of that. Here's his announcement declaring that he was taking a Canadian newspaper chain to the press council for the newspaper daring to add the word terrorist into wire stories to describe terrorists. Yeah, Al-Jabra isn't on Canada's side. A few years ago, Ontario police chiefs wanted to go to Israel to study counterterrorism from the people who do it every day. Omar Al-Jabra wanted to stop this. Seriously, here's what he wrote. Sending the heads of Ontario police chiefs to benefit from Israeli security experience is like sending a Canadian parliamentarian delegation to learn from Saddam Hussein about democracy. Uh, what? He's equating the only Western liberal democracy in the region with a Muslim dictator and war criminal? That's bizarre. But the goal was the same, demonize Israel and stop our police from learning how to combat terrorism. But Al-Jabra didn't even like it when police went to a Jewish community event in Toronto called Walk with Israel. I've been to that one before. It's like a community party a walk with a bit of a festival at the end, sort of like the St. Patrick's Day parade, but for Jews and people who like Israel, like a party in Little Italy or like Chinese New Year. It's something that happens in Toronto. Omar Al-Jabra was against that. Here's what this little bigot wrote about that. He called this family march, quote, a show of solidarity for a foreign state currently in the midst of an unresolved conflict, a country that is conducting a brutal and the longest contemporary military occupation in the world. So he wanted Toronto officials like the police chief to boycott the Jewish march. What a little anti-Semite. And he's now the junior foreign minister. Yeah, I feel safe. He loves calling Israel brutal while he defends Muslim terrorist groups. This isn't just stuff he said when he was the leader of the anti-Semitic Canadian Arab Federation way back when. I mean, just last year, when Israel finally struck back at the Hamas terrorists in the Gaza Strip, who had been raining rockets down on Israeli civilians, Al-Jabra wrote a Facebook post calling Israel, once again, blind and cruel. But not a word against the Hamas attacks on Israeli civilians that started it. In fact, when the arch-terrorist Yasser Arafat died, Omar al-Jabra announced that he was in mourning. Seriously, he was grieving. Al-Jabra has been a senior organizer for Justin Trudeau. His job description was one line long, get every Muslim in Canada to vote for Trudeau. So anytime Trudeau went to a city, he would visit the mosque. Occasionally he'd visit a synagogue or church too, but more frequently there was a mosque visit, almost always without media presence, no mosque, was too extreme for him. He even went to the Wahhabi Mosque in Montreal, the one funded by Saudi Arabia, fingered by the Pentagon as a recruiting mosque for terrorists. Here, listen to Trudeau boast about that. I spend a lot of time running from the uh, Bangladeshi to the Pakistani to the uh, Maghrebian <laughs> to the, uh, the uh, Asuna Wahhabi Mosque. I cover, I cover all, of, all the different communities. It's incredible what Al-Jabra got Trudeau to do. 
even to dress up like a medieval desert tribesman. Trudeau prayed a Muslim prayer called the Shahada, which under Sharia law is the requirement to convert to Islam. Now, I don't believe that Trudeau converted to Islam, but Al-Jabra knows what symbols to use, uh, like this picture of Trudeau's mother and wife wearing hijabs. Well, the campaign worked, and Al-Jabra, after the election, was given his reward. And now Trudeau says he'll immediately withdraw our CF-18 jets from the Allied Coalition Against the Islamic State Terrorists. And Trudeau says he'll repeal the law stripping Canadian citizenship from convicted terrorists who were dual citizens. And Trudeau says he's in favor of Muslim women wearing face-obscuring niqabs in citizenship courts. But what's next, now that Al-Jabra is a junior foreign minister himself? How will Syrian migrants to Canada be vetted? Will Al-Jabra's view that Hamas and Hezbollah aren't really terrorists, will that view govern how we vet Muslim migrants? What role will Al-Jabra have in making those decisions? After all, he's in charge of the consulates. How about our relations with Muslim extremist countries? Here's what Al-Jabra told Al- You know, it goes on for a bit, but I just wanted to show you a few of the facts. Like, he literally said Israel is a terrorist state. No one should go there. Um, even Jews in Toronto who dare to support Israel, they should be boycotted by the government. Hamas and Hezbollah should be legalized. The guy is an extremist, a radical, and he literally called for the legalism, legalization of terrorist groups. You think that that would be in the news. You'd think that would be mentioned every time Omar al-Jabra is in the news. But he's not. It's being normalized. And come on, you really going to get some journalists on Trudeau's media bailout to say those things? Um, you know, lately there's been a video out of, I think it was Grand Prairie, Alberta or something, where Krista Freeland was walking and some guy hollered some swears at her. And it was rude for sure. Um the media party has gone absolutely nuts calling on everyone in the entire political spectrum to denounce that swearer. And to not do so is proof that you are in allegiance or with that swearer. But don't you think Omar al-Jabra should say a word about Laith Maruf? Well, just a word, just to say, you know what? I'm Muslim, and so is he, but I believe in equality before the law of all people, and I, I, I don't believe in anti-Semitism. Why, why won't Omar al-Gabra say that? Why won't Ahmed Hassan say that? In his first response to Laith Marouf, I don't know if you could dig this up, Olivia, the first thing that Ahmed Hassan, who actually handed out the grant to Laith Marouf, said was, we're going to review the situation. He didn't name Maruf. He didn't condemn him. He said, okay, yeah, I've seen this. We're going to review. Review what? what? What's there to review? Yeah, this, was, this is the one thing that couldn't be found on the internal. Um, government to probe disturbing tweets. <laughs> so this is the, um, oh, you know what? Stop for a second. Let me take back my comment. Do you see who wrote this? Do you want to highlight that? The Canadian press. Marie Wolf of the Canadian press wrote it. Hey, you know what? 20 minutes ago I said, wow, looks like the CBC actually did write something. They did not. They ran some Canadian press story. Once. It remains true that the CBC, as far as I can tell, 
has not done a single story about. They did put this one CP wire story on their website. Maybe that's why it doesn't show up in their search engine. Did you notice that, Olivia? Isn't that incredible? Show the CP headline, though, again. Um, they say, Ottawa to probe disturbing tweets. But Ahmed Hassan himself refused to name Maroof, refused to condemn. Oh, we're just going to look into it. Yeah, I'm going to probe them. I'm disturbed by them, but I'm certainly not going to condemn them. That's the state of Canadian politics today. That's the state of the Canadian Liberal Party, where you have three liberal Jews, Anthony Housefather, Michael Levitt, and Michael Geist, either being ignored or being called, being told they are racist for making a fuss. The CBC will not write a story about it. I take back my earlier comment. They did not write it. They just had some wire story that you can't even find on their search engine. I think the Liberal Party is anti-Semitic. Not all of them, of course. But Justin Trudeau know, knows where the votes are. He hired the head of the anti-Semitic Canadian Arab Federation to be his right-hand man. And actually, he was in charge of consular affairs for a while. I think this is a real problem. And the fact that the CBC won't talk about it sort of proves my point, don't you think? All right, my friends, it's 1231. I scratched an itch with this Sort of a monologue almost. That's your bonus monologue. I'll actually be on TV again tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. I think I'll talk more about not just Leif Maroof, but I'm going to talk about the shouter who shouted at Christian Freeland because I see now the public safety minister is saying we need legislation immediately to stop people from shouting at our politicians. Really? I think you should have the right to shut a politician. I think you should actually have the right to swear at them, too. Not that I would necessarily swear at a politician or, maybe, or, or even shout at them. And I don't think I would recommend that others do so, but we should most certainly have the right to do so. We have the right to express ourselves nonviolently, of course, no violent threats. But you have the right to swear at your politician. They certainly swear at you. Hey, let's close with a couple of clips. I don't know if you have them handy, Olivia. The masters of politeness now, Justin Trudeau. Remember what he said about those vile and dirty unvaccinated people? If you sit too close to them on the plane, you'll get cooties. <laughs> I'm joking about it, but of course he used rougher language. Here is Mr. Polite, Justin Trudeau, campaigning in Calgary in the last election. Take a listen. You deserve better. You deserve a government that's going to continue to say, get vaccinated. And you know what? If you don't want to get vaccinated, that's your choice. But don't think you can get on a plane or a train besides vaccinated people and put them at risk. Thanks you for playing that, Olivia. I'm going to play one more clip. You deserve a and government. And then I'm going to uh, vamoose. And it's the clip of Trudeau. En Francais. I think he was on a show in Quebec called Tout Le Monde en Parle or something like that. And he was asked in French about these atrocious people, these bad people, these evil people. Should we even tolerate them? He was asked. <laughs> uh, of course not. They are intolerable. And the, the king of tolerance, well, he, he certainly can't tolerate the intolerable can he Here, here's a listen to him in french i think there's a translation on the screen take a look 
on va s'en sortir de cette pandémie par la vaccination. Puis on, sait, on en connaît tous des gens qui sont en train d'hésiter un petit peu. On va continuer d'essayer de les convaincre. Mais il y a aussi des gens qui sont farouchement opposés à la vaccination. Il ne faut pas dans la science. Go back for a second and give me, give me 60 seconds of Bill Maher. I saw you were scrolling through Bill, Bill Maher. You know who Bill Maher is, right? Here, here he is. Here's, he's got a word to say about Trudeau. September, but he was talking about people who are not vaccinated. He said they don't believe in science. They're often misogynistic, often racist. No, they're mm, not. That was not that, smart of him at all. Right. He said, but they take up space. Mm. And wow. with that, we have to make a choice in terms of a leader as a country. Do we tolerate these people? It's like, tolerate these? Now you do that's, sound like no, Hitler. That's, mm -hmm. that, that was... uh, and recently, he talked about them holding, holding unacceptable views. Wow. This, I'm yeah. surprised to hear that Trudeau said those things. You didn't see the blackface? I mean, he... <laughs> he uh, no, I'm kidding about that. I'm not... I'm not I mean, I was not a good... You know, uh, Bill Maher is the liberals' liberal. Like, he is as liberal as they get. He's libertine. He, he was for drug legalization decades ago. He's the most lenient liberal you'll ever meet. But he's still honest enough to say Trudeau's not actually a liberal. Trudeau's a bit of a fascist, maybe even a bit of a Nazi. I love that. Didn't you catch the blackface business? And the thing is, I mean, Maher is a comedian, but he's a commentator, and, he, and he's does a brilliant mix of both. We have comedian commentators in Canada, too, but they work for the government. They work at this hour's 22 minutes. They're on the government payroll. Why do we never get comedy commentary like that in Canada? Why do we have to go to foreign broadcasters to hear criticism of Trudeau? Why can you not find the word maroof on the CBC website? My friends, that's it for me. I'm going to run and do other work. It's 12.36 Eastern Time. We're going to play a quick commercial on getting get out of the chair, and my friend Andrew Chapados and Louis Blackpool will take over. I'll talk to you soon. Great to be back. We started off this convoy calling it taking back our freedoms, but our freedoms are nobody's to take away. So we're going to restore everybody's freedoms. People came here wanting to only do a day, and uh, the word with all the truckers is they're now staying for many days. You know, like a lot of people now are planning on days and days in Ottawa. So we are here to end the mandate. I am not leaving until we get what we want. We're not going to give up. I'm on lunch, I could be on lunch a long, long time. Well, the remains of 215 children have been found in a mass grave in Canada. Many of you know that just over a year ago, the discovery of the remains of 215 children was found at the Kamloops Indian Residential School at the Tecumseh Shiswemek First Nation. But what if I were to show you that what I just said wasn't true?
and that in fact, a year later, not a single body has been found. This mass grave is a painful reminder of the genocide. Canada's leaders aren't condemning the burning of churches. No, they're endorsing the burning of churches. A juvenile rib bone that surfaced in the same area. You'd be surprised the number of people who say, I'm a doctor, I'm a paramedic. This is definitely a human bone, and it's hmm. definitely a We're here for all Albertans, Canadians. We're here fighting for the freedoms of not us, but our kids, our grandkids, the future of this province, this country. We are prepared to put everything on the line. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views. I've also received reports uh, in the last hour of people uh, allied with the protesters assaulting RCMP officers. So Jason Kenney's statement was not true at, at the press release. I can tell you what I just told you, sir. They have just blocked the border here in Coots, Alberta to Sweetgrass, Montana. We don't want to put anybody's livelihood in jeopardy. That is the very last resort. But this is something I don't, well, I've certainly never seen before. Freedom and peace and loving. That's the Canadian way. It's not like CBC or any of these other mainstream news channels are making it out to be. I am not a white supremacist. Welcome, Louis Brackpool and myself, the Rebel News Daily live stream. How are you, Louis? I'm very well, very <laughs> well. It's good to see you, and it's uh, it's been a while since we've done this sort it's of been thing. A while. You know that song, it's been Stained. That guy's very uh, yeah, great band. He's very Mud shovel now, I believe. Oh, is he? That's yes, pretty cool. From what I know. Um, rebelnews.com slash live streams is the daily source for your live stream feed on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, and Getter. Sometimes Twitter, sometimes why? Who knows why I said that? If you want to interact with us, you can do so on Rumble with a Rumble rant, Odyssey with a hyper chat. And is there any other ways, producer Olivia? I don't think so. Um, those are the only two paying platforms because we're demonetized on YouTube. And you know how they love us on there. Um... If you want to give us a question, a comment about the great hair day I'm having, Lewis having a washer and dryer in his kitchen, which is apparently a thing in England, it's you true. can do so through the Rumble Ranter Odyssey Hyper Chats, which also accept crypto, the Odyssey cryptocurrency. So we've got a lot of good UK news, a lot of Canadian news, and then maybe some Joe Biden if we have time. Thank you for Ezra Levant uh, leading us mm. into this. Um, for now, Lewis is not fired, I'm told. He said, you know, on his way out, he was just like, you know, Lewis, 
Um, he, he's a nice guy. He's just not quite <laughs> handsome enough for this live stream. So we'll see if we keep him around. Uh, Justin Trudeau had a speaking of kitchens, by the way. If anybody in the back can tell me why Justin Trudeau was speaking from a kitchen the other day, please let me know. But he understands why the people are upset, Lewis. He knows where all of our problems are stemming from. And he knows more than anybody about anxiety in the population. So let's go ahead and see what he thinks the reasons are that everybody's so upset with the government. Um, I'm just wondering, what do you think is behind the rise in threats that politicians are facing? What do you think is behind the rise? We've been through a lot as a, <laughs> as a country, as a world over right the past you know years. Obviously, the question. pandemic, uh, increasing anxiety because of climate change, mm -hmm. uh, transformations uh -huh. of our economy, yep. um, rise in, um, in mental health and addiction problems, particularly with the opioid uh, crisis that has been uh, ravaging communities right across the country. Um, it's a lot of pressure on a lot of people, and unfortunately. Um, there is, uh, there are no easy solutions for all these challenges we're facing. Um, it's going to take hard work. It's going to take people uh, listening to each other. It's going to take uh, orders of government stepping up and uh, delivering uh, for people. And it's a time for responsible leadership. Mm -hmm. It's time for people to uh, look to assuage fears and angers, uh, to respond with a positive vision of the future. Um, but people are hurting. People are hurting because of all these things we're going through. And we need to make sure that the messages that we put forward as a country, and not just political leaders, but community leaders, uh, institutions, are focused on supporting each other. Canada made it through this pandemic better than most places in the world because Canadians do a really good job of being there for each other. I think you only said what and, they told them. Uh, we have to continue doing that work of building strong communities, of listening to each other and supporting each other uh, as we move forward. And that's, uh, that's something that really, really matters. So each of us in positions of authority or power need to make sure uh, that we are uh, not inciting or encouraging uh, anger or frustrations, uh, but actually putting forward concrete, real solutions that are going to bring people along and allow them to see themselves in the future that uh, the world is creating. Future that the world's creating. Three things he mentioned there, Lewis. One's climate change, this thing that you've drummed up hysteria about. Second is the Oops. opioid crisis, drug use, dependency on these medications, and then street use. And then the economy. So three things that he, you know, has a hand in. He's been mm -hmm. in charge for seven years, and it's just up to everybody collectively to fix these things. It's up to you, community leaders, to fix the printing of money that we've done, the shutting down of businesses, <laughs> and all this, that, and the other that he's done. There's never any, and he says also, you know, sounds like he wants more government decisions and more mandates. The government will make you feel better, you guys. There's never any self-doubt or you know, self-criticism or looking within with these Western leaders that we currently have. Now, I don't know much about the new prime minister to be there, Lewis, in England, but Joe Biden, it's never his fault. It's somehow, you know, Trump or Putin's fault. Justin Trudeau, it's, you know, the fringe minority's fault. Jacinda Ardern, I don't know. It's like 
people who wouldn't, uh, you know, go out with her in high school for, or something like that, probably. It's Avi Amini's <laughs> fault, actually. Full right wing Avi Amini can't be allowed in our country if he's going to report on True. these protests, all right? Um, That's it. <laughs> so I don't know, Lewis, is there ever going to be any sort of accountability here? Anything like, you know, we need to do this better? There was nowhere in there that he said, this is something that we haven't done well enough and let's improve on it. It's just, it's everybody's responsibility. It's not Justin Trudeau's fault, is it? Uh, the answer to that is no, you're not going to see it, I don't think, because to be quite blunt, they want votes. They want to keep themselves in office. They want to show or project they're doing a good job. So why would they go out and say they've messed up? It's about blame shifting. It's about shifting that blame across. And he mentioned climate anxiety mm -hmm. is uh, one of the causes for why there's so much rage and anger and hysteria at the minute. Um, apart from a few useful idiots that are being... Uh, <laughs> of course, in, uh, endorsed by big corporations and the government uh, parroting uh, nonsensical conspiracy theories, uh, in my view. Um, who else is actually anxious <laughs> about the natural change of the climate? 13-year-olds that believe this stuff. And they get, it's talked right. about how, at this point, it's just talked about as, yeah, everybody, it's, it's subtle, everybody knows. Just like everybody knows that the institutions are racist and, you know, oh, uh, certain people yeah. are oppressed and trans people are being killed by your words. It's just this new reality they've created and they they put it in books. They put it on your Snapchat. They put it on your Instagram, specifically yours, Lewis. They put it on yours. And Every, this is yeah, just what they've on. done. And it and they do it in school and they indoctrinate children this way. And what we're seeing now is them just not even Ooh. acknowledging three years ago at this point, I mean, well, or even six months ago before the war in Ukraine, where everything was like, you know, all right, we're coming out of this pandemic now, everybody open up. Oh, we need to make you poor again by having your energy costs go up and simultaneously giving all this money to Ukraine. We need to give money to Ukraine and therefore sacrifice our energy, which actually we don't take any in Canada from Russia, but giving money to another country for weapons while taking away your weapons will make us better even though it actually makes you poorer while simultaneously raising energy prices across europe yeah starve to death for the current thing basically that's right um, bb endure the cold uh, for the current thing uh, is basically what it all boils down to but what you were saying is to revoke the action of criticism it's to revoke um, the ability in order to criticize an idea, an ideology that people are so comfortable with, uh, whether it be uh, enacted by the government, their kind of ideologies from the Liberal Party, or even boils down to just everyday people who just have really destructive and bad ideas but don't want to admit it, <laughs> or they don't know it um, because they've been groomed, essentially, to, to feel this way and to not think critically and to not think... Hmm, maybe my side uh, isn't as nice and tolerant as uh, as I'm being as I'm being told. So yeah, I think it's 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 a very uh, tactical way of trying to uh, decimate uh, the ability to criticize. Well, the Canadian government's had it very easy as of late. They haven't had any you know pushback as they never have. But a one man 
who I'm not familiar with, but everybody seems to say that he's pretty irredeemable, but I'm not sure. I've seen he's bothered Pierre Polyev as well, but he yelled at Christia Freeland outside of an elevator, and now they're investigating him for, you know, nothing. I mean, I read the article earlier, and it says that, you know, they could press charges if the law was broken. So they're going to desperately try to find some way to say this is a harassment Obviously, it's not against the law to yell at somebody at a distance for 10 seconds um, without threatening them or breaking any actual laws. But it's to this point now where Justin Trudeau, whether he actually believes it or not, or this is just something he's saying, um, criticizing him or his cabinet is, you know, we want that to be perceived as being against the laws or against some sort of rules or societal norms. We remember that with Trump. They always say he's breaking the norms of this and that. He's not actually breaking any laws, but he's breaking the norms. So criticizing them is uh, is is against the rules, but it's okay if they, you know, shut down your business, seize your bank account, um, call you racist, you have unacceptable views, which is a completely subjective thing. Like, do pa- like Palestinians think Israelis have unacceptable views? Israelis think of Palestinian uh, government having ex- unacceptable views. So like it, it's the which one's really the dark side argument. But according to Justin Trudeau, there are universal you know beliefs that are unacceptable, such as freedom, uh, freedom of travel, and uh, you know donating to a cause. But then we call that a criminal protest, so it's against the law. It's all, the mud, The waters have been beyond muddied, and it's all just so they can say whatever they want without criticizing themselves. And, and you're right, they're not about to go down this route where criticism is possible because then the whole house comes down upon you. If Joe Biden talks about, um, you know, in 19, uh, what is it, 92, where I got caught plagiarizing a speech, therefore I lost my presidential uh, bid, then everybody's going to be like, oh, so he admits that he makes mistakes. And then we're going to start going that down that. Not that he remembers the early 90s, but uh, that was the thing that happened that people don't ever talk about it. Uh, Barack Obama said he screws things up all the time. He has this great pension for, you know, messing things up. So they live on this idea that the hist- history didn't happen as it actually happened. And that's why you get so many of these politicians saying things uh, one day, and then two years later, acting like they never said it. And I and I use Obama and like Clinton again, who had, you know, views that you shouldn't allow people to flood the border, you shouldn't have abortions, stuff like that. Um, it changes with the wind, and you're going to be hard pressed to convince me that people in their late 40s and 50s all of a sudden completely changed their worldview, and all of a sudden, after all these years, Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau believe something different. All of a sudden they believe that green energy is the way to go, even though this could have been started, you know, decades ago, if you listen to, you know, climate activists like David Suzuki 20 years ago. But I digress, Lewis Brackpool. We've got another British story here that involves Canada. It's a Mm. a little bit of a spy gate. You want to cue this up for us? Yeah, of course. So Shamima Begum, uh, you might have heard that name before. Um, This was a, a very, very young Um, girl from the UK who traveled to uh, Syria uh, during that whole uh, shenanigans and um, joined ISIS, Mm -hmm. as you do, uh, just as you do, really, uh, on a Saturday, uh, fled to ISIS, became an ISIS bride, and then then said, I want to come home. Uh, (laughs) And the government said, "Mm, 
no, you can't. <laughs> and I think a majority of the people in the UK said, mm, no, thanks. But it has been revealed that Shemima Begum, um, a spy for Canada, smuggled her into Syria and many other people. And so that's it. This is the strange crossover. This is, of course, from uh, our state broadcaster, the BBC. And there she is looking westernized to try and make you feel bad and want her back. Um, so Shemima Begum, who fled the UK and joined the Islamic State group, was smuggled into Syria by an intelligence agent for Canada. Files seen by the BBC show he showed he claimed to have shared Ms. Begum's passport details with Canada and smuggled other Britons to fight for ISIS. Ms. Begum's lawyer are challenging the removal of her citizenship, arguing she was a trafficking victim, even though she willingly took the decision to go and join the Islamic State as a bride. She willingly went to do it. So um, I have no sympathy. Uh, I just want to get that out there. I've got no sympathy uh, for anyone who decides to go out and... Um, uh, join ISIS or any of these uh, horrific groups, and then expects to still have their citizenship in in my country, and to come back to quite to be so uh, to be so blunt about it. Uh, there's a lot of debate saying, "Oh, she was groomed and that she was groomed," but she was old enough to recognise that she was joining a terrorist group for a start. Um, and this has been an ongoing thing for years and years and years, the debate on Shemima Begum. But now it looks like that an intelligence agent from Canada was feeding, of course, information about Shemima Begum and, of course, <laughs> helping people cross to Syria at the same time, uh, which is absolutely insane. It's an insane story. Uh, the fact that it's almost like the, the British government and the Canadian government, they haven't reached out and uh, they haven't, um, what's the word? They haven't, dis well, not disclosed, what's the word I'm looking for? They haven't um, made comment mm -hmm. on, on, this, on this current scenario. They've actually refused to give comment so far. Um, I smell corruption, personally, somewhere. Uh, how about yourself? This is a good I'm movie poster here. I'm not a monster produced course, by your government. BBC but your government won't convince you that a woman who joined a terrorist group isn't a terrorist. So I think they're playing a lot of word games here. First of all, when they say, you know, a child trafficking victim, they're probably going by some sort of legal definition where the guy who did this is guilty of trafficking minors, as I believe it's two uh, underage women, among many others, that he brought into Syria. But to your point that she knows what she's doing, she had to travel to Turkey first to meet this guy yes. to then be brought over into the Islamic uh, state territories. Now, are we, is it confirmed that this guy is from Canada? Because the way I read this was that this was a guy who wanted to become a citizen of Canada, if we go back to that article. And um, the government of Canada says, we will give you a citizenship if you work for us by, you know, um, feeding us ISIS information. So we were trafficking these people over. He has text messages with uh, ISIS saying, we need you 
Um, we want you to step up, you know, do your part and bring these people over to us. Brothers and sisters, they call them. He says, I'm ready to step up, brother. And uh, he wants the Canadian citizenship. So they say, this is according to him. They say, give us photos and intel from inside. He was giving them photos and locations of Internet cafes. And, um, you know, he's just not a good guy. I don't think he's a spy from Canada. I believe he became a spy working for Canada, you know, a double agent with the uh, the rare double agency being Canada and ISIS. So there's his text messages. His name's uh, Rashid. He's getting the IP addresses of internet cafes and ISIS-controlled territories. Um, he was arrested in Turkey. Not long after that, he facilitated. Not long after he had facilitated the girl's journey to Syria. So I think Lewis, um, what happened is he is a guy working with ISIS, and he also fed intelligence to Canada. So that's a fun story. You know, it's just a fun story. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Shamima. You know, we should give her a TV show right after 600 pound life but before teen mom uk that reminds me lewis was actually on a season of 90 day fiance uk um he didn't quite make the cut he was only oh. in a couple episodes so if you want to look back in the 90 day fiance uk backlog you'll see him as one of the you know the potential suitors for one of these girls but she ended up going with a guy from a different country sorry lewis um but uh still single uh <laughs> <laughs> Carrying on then to the pubs. Do we have any to super chats? Yes, let's talk about the pubs. All right. I saw one in the corner here. We've got one. We're going to bring it up here. Go ahead, Lewis. Cool. Uh, Adam Ottawa, thanks for the dollar. Uh, there is a shawarma. 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 Is that um, shawarma? Okay. I've not heard of that before. Shawarma shop in Ottawa called Maroof. I really hope there isn't a connection because they make really good Lebanese food. Okay. Okay. I think Lebanon that might be is not um, Syria. Uh, I mean, that's like uh, you guys I know, it know might me. Be, <laughs> um, it might be from um, from the uh, I think Ezra's monologue earlier. Oh, okay. actually, <laughs> you know, confusing <laughs> Middle Eastern countries here. That's okay. Um, we got more. I can't read them from here. They're pretty far. The screen's pretty small here. Okay, I'll go for it. Due to Bercy, uh, $5. Uh, best show last night, Bugs and Mealworms. was truly disgusting to think that we should eat <laughs> this crap. I think, yeah, that's to do with uh, Ezra's Yeah, um, I can touch show. on that a little bit since I was on the other side of the wall. Can we blow, uh, put full screen of the feed on one of these TVs in here? I'm getting the same thing on both of the screens. Um, so Ezra was talking about bugs last night and mealworms and um i think ground up cricket meat and he wasn't having a good go of it as they say here in canada lewis and uh i don't know how much right. of it was on camera or not but let's just say uh it disgusted him a little bit so that's what that comment <laughs> is about oh i think we're gonna get don't to blame it here. Him. i think we're gonna get to a clip of that there but uh we're all you know knee deep i almost said something else in the climate emergency, as Justin Trudeau has let us know, Lewis. And across Europe, I've been raging the last few days about how Europe is just so falling into, like, they, they never learn about going too far into liberal, liberalism. Let's give all this money to Ukraine, which, of course, everybody's guilty. But let's cut off our gas from Russia, who now is burning $10 million of natural gas a day because they're used to providing it. I mean, 
Russia mm. maybe find out a way to store some of that instead of just burning it. But I digress. Maybe they're just mocking the West. But countries like Germany, France, Italy, they're all having to do these stupid provisions. I think it was in Germany you can't have a neon sign on sign on in the middle of the night from like 1 a.m. to 6. Another country, you can't have a door open if there's um, air conditioning on. Emmanuel Macron, also, who's married to the They're also bringing woman. in a meat tax. <laughs> Pardon? They're also, I think, I read something about they're bringing in a meat tax too, potentially. Well, you got to do tax. that. You got to eat the bugs. But uh, Macron says the time for abundance is over. And then we jump on over the channel to England, jolly old England, where um, is it a bunch of pubs are going to close because they can't afford the electricity anymore? So pubs warn of closures by Christmas uh, and bosses plead for help as energy bills jump by as much as £33,000. I'm not sure the conversion rate to Canadian dollars, um, So, but it's going to be up to three quarters of pubs in the UK. I mean, pubs is a huge part of our... Um, heritage our culture here in the uk um pubs are basically sacred here and um three quarters of them could close i mean this is this is awful this is this is just there's no there's no sort of words i mean i love the pub personally i'm a pub goer you um yeah absolutely and you know it's it's a fantastic way to socialize it's it's in my opinion I'm pretty biased. It's my favorite way uh, to socialize with your friends because you know you can have a beer, you can find a spot. There'll be either music or there's nothing going on. Or you've got sports going on. You can just riff with your friends after work um, and talk about what's going on in the world. The pub is where everything happens. And, you know, if you look back at history as well, a lot of, I'm not going to say the R word, but a lot of those happened in wow. the pub, the revs. Uh, usually happen in the pub where they would sit down, they would have a beer and they'd talk about what's going on with the world. And it's it's the perfect social atmosphere, in my, in my opinion. And three quarters of them could close. We've got another article uh, can here. Can we go back to the article uh, and read a bit of the article from LBC? So pubs and brewers across the UK are at risk of closure within months amid price hikes upward of 300% industry bosses have warned one firm warned their annual bills have jumped by 33,000 pounds another restaurant chain in manchester said prices have gone up by nearly 10,000 pounds a month and others say they are struggling to even find suppliers willing to power their venues when contracts come up for renewal Industry bosses have warned up to three quarters of pubs in the UK could be forced to close this winter because of the rising energy prices. Green King, JW Lees, Carlsberg Marston's, Admiral Taverns, Drake and Morgan and St. Austell Brewery all sounded the alarm about looming closures today. William Lees Jones, managing director of the JW Lees pub group, said we have... Um, <clears throat> publishers uh, who are experiencing 300% plus increases in energy costs and some energy companies are refusing to even quote for supply. I mean, it's, it's criminal. It's criminal. But yeah, sure. Keep sending money to Ukraine because that's, that's right. the right thing to do. They need it. Of course. It. Yeah. Uh, don't cut taxes, do. even though we need to. Um, continue this cycle of green policies 
uh, continue this cycle of net zero because it's the right thing to do. Um, I'm I'm just bored of it. We're watching we're watching a cultural suicide. We're watching a complete suicide of our entire country, its values, and everything we basically stand for. I know it sounds pretty dramatic, but I love the pub. I love the pub. It's it's sacred. It's a sacred institution. And we're we're just letting it happen. We're sleepwalking. This is the cost of lockdown. This is the cost of just the fanaticism of green policies at play here. This is the cost of this. It's really we're not even an insane degree. A little bit of chips, a little bit of fish, a little bit of Carlsberg or Carling. Carlsberg believes yes. in globalism. Never forget that. We're going to catch you guys on the other side with a break here. We're going to have more stories. Um, we've got some uh, eco-warriors, which Lewis and I love. Um, and we've got some Nigel Farage news and a little bit more if we have time. Rebelnews.com slash live streams. We'll see you in a moment. My mug? I know. It's pretty cool. So is this hoodie I got on, and you could have it on too if you check out our special website at rebelnewsstore.com. That's where you can see Freedom Focus hoodies that we have for you, beanies, cell phone cases, you name it, all while supporting our journalism where we fight to bring you the other side of the story as opposed to, you know, being forced by the Trudeau government to fund leftist media out of your taxes. The truth is, without you and your generosity, there is no rebel news. So again, if you like the reports that we bring you and that we also fight for freedoms in Canada, please consider doing some shopping, picking up some swag at rebelnewsstore.com. We appreciate your support. I'm going to tell Dre Humphrey she has to buy me a sweater with her discount. <laughs> That's what I got from that. Rebelnewsstore.com. More British news. Um, let's be less squeamish is the advice about drinking <laughs> recycled sewage. Lewis, did you write yes. this or was this Ian Miles Chong I'm this, seeing? This was the brilliant Ian Miles Chong. Stealing your content. Yeah, beat me to it. Steals my content, but he's allowed because he's uh, he's a great writer. So it says British public advised to be less squeamish about drinking recycled Come sewage. On, just do it. Just do it. Just drink the sewage. Eat the bugs. <laughs> Donate to Ukraine. Uh, the head of Britain's <laughs> environmental agency. Sorry, I, I can't see it. Sorry. Uh, the head of Britain's environment agency wrote in the Sunday Times a variety of measures that the government water companies and regular people need to take to avoid droughts or oh, another conspiracy theory which are predicted to happen in the future we just like to scroll down and start reading there you go just get a mug right if you go up a little bit go back to that uh go back to that nice um photo we have of the yeah look at that we gotta do right get yourself a mug and just <laughs> get it straight from that just get it straight from the pipe here's what i don't understand <laughs> and then Lewis. donate to ukraine that's right. Don't forget to donate to Ukraine. Well, donate on your phone. Uh, anyway, don't, don't we already drink recycled sewage water? Well, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's let's read the piece. Well, that's a good question now, isn't it, mates? Let's yeah, read that's on. It, mate. yeah. Brits are being told to suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> Brits are being told to suck it up and that they need to be less squeamish about drinking recycled sewage in the face of climate change, of course. Uh, the head of Britain's Environment Agency wrote in the Sunday Times a variety of measures. Bloody, da da. Let's scroll down a little bit more. Um, 
With all the ongoing shortages, it is no surprise that water too is on the table. Part of the solution would be to reprocess the water that results from sewage treatment and turn it back into drinking water. Perfectly safe and healthy, but not something many people fancy. <laughs> Uh, Bevan stated that he expected the move to be unpopular. Yeah, absolutely, it's unpopular. <laughs> but said it was necessary to change how we think about water. So what we're seeing, we see this with the bugs. We see this with, with many other things. It's about changing behavior. It's about normalization. How many times have you seen an infographic of some someone just posting saying, we need to normalize this, we need to normalize that? We see this all the time. The government has been doing this for a long time, the normalization of certain behaviors. We've seen it at the start of the pandemic right the way till now. And now they're doing it with water and how we should uh, look in. Well, we should be drinking recycled sewage straight out of that. Thoughts, Mr. Chapados? I see you pondering there like some sort of philosopher. Um, like one or as one? No, I guess like uh, I'm not too into uh, water technology and uh, sewage water treatment control. I know that there's a machine that we had in the army that was called a reverse osmosis uh, machine. Uh, you had to take a course and uh, you can just take water right out of the uh, right out of the lake or right out of the ocean and uh, turn it into drinking water, but it's probably pretty expensive for the common person. But I guess we take our, our uh, water from the, um, you know, from uh, our bath tubs and in Lewis's case all the appliances are in one place in the kitchen the toilet's right on top of the dishwasher and just goes down in there I don't know Sinky. much about this topic for once I don't have anything to say I don't know yep. if which types of water we filter out into making the drinking water this is not something I've really thought about I know fluoride's not bad for, or not good for you it's not bad for you guys you just drink it all um I believe I believe we've added more fluoride as well in our water in the UK. Well, I don't know, good. Olivia, if there's, if there's something to do with that. That would be an interesting... Our fluoride thing. came to us because uh, we had, you know, aluminum byproduct around the Great Lakes re region in aluminum. Michigan. And we thought, let's uh, find a way to put it in the water to get rid of it instead of uh, destroying the crops with it around us. But I don't know, Lewis. I guess as long as the water reaches a certain level where it's deemed safe to drink and not in a fuzzy manner where somebody's really profiting off of this being forced upon you. Um, as long as it's safe to drink, I don't know if it's a huge issue. So I'm going to have to go down to that very picture and find that hole and drink straight well, from I... it when I got my cash app to Ukraine on on my phone in one hand. And then I've got, um, <laughs> I don't know, what was the other thing you said we had to do? I got a handful of bugs. And That's like it. Sydney Fizzard, I'm just walking around the the environment and eating things. The thing is, Andrew, you mentioned about if it's just safe to, you know, just drink it, then I don't see a problem. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, Andrew, we've had years now of the government and agencies and, you know, particular bodies telling us that certain things are safe when turns out this that they're true. not. So I how wonder can what I you're speaking about. How can I be so sure if it is safe and it is trustworthy? I mean, like I mentioned about fluoride, I think we've added a lot more to our, our water systems. And uh, I'm, <laughs> I don't want to go too deep on the whole fluoride stuff um, <laughs> because, you know, we'll be here for hours. But um, it's not a good thing. 
and uh, they're deeming it safe, but then other governmental bodies true. are deeming it unsafe. I guess so we shouldn't have so much case, trust in the government yeah. to uh, properly give us water. There's an Oxford study that shows um, it lowered the IQ of children. Just saying, but um, I can hear uh, social media guru Yakov just being like, again with the fluoride. Um, let's go over <laughs> to the eco mob. In um, yeah. what's in, in central London, I was hoping it was going to be some somewhere like Shrewsbury or uh, <laughs> somewhere more obscure. But uh, this is in central London. They're going to, I guess, gas stations, which you all call petrol stations, and uh, just yep. destroying them. What's going on there? We got a video. Yeah, Let's, let me let me show you the video and see what you think first. Get Thank you first goggles on. Uh, of course, it's an old woman again. So they're just smashing up the displays. You know how much money that you're gonna owe? Like you're on camera, but the brazen. This is what the the government has done. They've and they say other people do it, but they've emboldened people to just be like, if I think my cause is good enough, then I can do anything I want. Black Lives Matter, for example, Antifa, for example. And apparently grandmothers in England think that it's okay for them to go and smash up somebody's business. Uh, very complicated, you know, pump system. It's fancier than anything we have here. I'm gonna tell you that right now. And she's like, oh, I mean, this is necessary. And this guy- I mean, even it's pretty even pathetic even watching them do it as well and how this will stop people from getting gas for sure they won't just go to the gas station across the street or across town and this gas station surely won't change them unless that's their point of view it's like at least we're costing you know this company that makes trillions of dollars a year um a few thousand dollars with their displays. We've really changed the system, you guys. And then they go home well, and they watch some Mr. Bean and eat some crumpets and, you know, beans on toast and everything you show me, Lewis. And, you know, they've done their their part. That's the problem that I, the thing that I have a problem with is people like this thinking that they're actually doing something, but their logic and their actions never go past stage one. They're in a unable to comprehend, you know, a rational argument or an end to their logical, you know, their viewpoint here. They don't see where this leads. They don't understand who's telling them like what they're doing and why they're doing it. All they know is this feels good to me for the next 20 minutes. And I feel like I'm making a difference. Therefore the results and the damage that I've done, the repercussions from what I'm doing, they're justified because I feel like I'm a good person now and I can go home and go on Facebook and, and tell Gertrude and uh, Beverly, these are old white woman's friends names, by the way, that they're going to tell that they've done such a good job today. And I'm part of the activist group and I've done my part. And, you know, we just got to stop climate change because I watched, you know, BBC followed by Downton Abbey and Corey Street. Corey Street. Corey Street. We knew that we would get a nice little rant from uh, from Andrew Chapados about eco warriors. There, that was that was to be expected, and we we're all here for it. But there is a white pill. <laughs> Thank you to this story. There is a white pill in the next video. Is forty three climate activists have been arrested? Okay, petrol stations across London were sabotaged. We actually get to see some good, lovely arrests here. Oh, Finally, the police good. actually 
policing. Even but you know though what that is, Lewis? That's just job. me being right again. I told you that they were gonna, ah. they're gonna be, uh, they're committing these crimes. So I'll take this. Let's w. watch the video, mate, and enjoy the white pill at least. This was last weekend, apparently. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Twitter, are you there? <laughs> we're being Buffering. sabotaged. Producer Olivia is a climate activist. She doesn't want you to think that there's, <laughs> there's repercussions for this. She wants you to think that you can do whatever you want. She told me that in a letter. It was in calligraphy. She's been taking classes. She wrote it to me. Right. She said, Andrew, I've had enough. This, we must block it with the sun. All right, here we go. Well, at least you're going to do it. Do it like that. Go on, give it some welly. <laughs> These are some Millwall fans who didn't have a game to go to, Lewis? <laughs> no, not quite. Eight of it. What a surprise yeah, that it was a child yeah, in the backpack. Yeah, there they come. What? I can't just do whatever I want. By the way, BP is part of the World Economic Forum. Just like to point that out that they um, are in on the game despite being an oil company. We're sorry. Remember BP's apology that video for doing all the oil? Why do they all look the same like that? And I don't mean the high visit. They're losers. <laughs> I once we made know. a video about how the losers of the of yesterday were the people who did like that goss dance under the bridge, if you remember that one. Cue that up, Olivia. Producer Danny knows what I'm talking about. Look at that state of them. And there's no like more efficient way they could think of. We'll just grab some hammers and we'll smash them, we will. What about like something that's short? I shouldn't be giving advice, but what about... <laughs> Never has a British cop ran more Britishly. <laughs> and jump Britishly. <laughs> oh, England. <laughs> That's not quite nice. You'll have to stop that, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not like one of the police officers that showed. I don't know if you can bring this up, Olivia, but um, there was a, uh, a picture of a police officer who was actually giving water to a, an eco-warrior who happened to be a pastor. Uh, I don't good. know if you can bring up bring up that image, and that sparked some fury. This was a few weeks ago before the these arrests that were made. But isn't a pastor um, one of those titles that almost anyone it's pretty low on the catholicism uh, hierarchy I'm i don't not even think it's catholic you're to be a priest it's a pastor i could be a pastor i am a pastor i speak <laughs> i give demands and commands in a large setting uh water way to, <laughs> water way to treat the Policeman is seen helping just stop, just stop oil protest vicar. Ah, vicar, not pastor. Wow. Um, take amazing. a sip of drink after he glued both his hands to the road at fuel at a fuel terminal. Uh, yeah, this wasn't too long ago. Um, less like a week ago. There it is. That's the image that sparked a lot of controversy. You know um, what he should have done? He should have glued his face to the road. That would have... He should have glued. Efficient. He should have glued the actual uh, bottle of water to his lips. <laughs> Here you go, mate. And it's just glued to his face. It's like pursed lips, and it's just dangling off of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, 
do we have any more paid chats to get to before we get to Nigel Farage and then we'll skip and dance out of here like Mary Poppins. So many British <laughs> references, so little time. So, uh, Frasbo, $5. Thank you very much. Today I picked up my signs for the worldwide rally to be held at Hamilton City Hall at 12 noon in support of the farmers. Thank you, Rebel News, for bringing this story to us. There you Pro have it. Producer uh, Efron should be there, his neck of the woods. That's famously where he was ticketed for handshaking. Um, maybe TV's Lincoln J will be there. Is he there? Is that what I'm seeing? No. Okay. <laughs> thought he was live on the scene and we were going to cut to Lincoln J, but uh, it didn't happen. That would have been interesting. Is that it for that? Brasbo again, $1. Not quite sure how... You, I don't know who Lois is or Lois. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll take it as Lewis. Um, will That's you be how you spell Lewis. No, it's, it's the other way. Lois. Um, that's, the, that's the beta way. That's the beta way. Lois. Chad Lewis Brackpool. There you go. Will you be covering the worldwide uh, rally this September the 17th in support of the farmers in Britain? Uh, yeah, I presume so. <laughs> He's <laughs> going down to Luton Town. He's going down to I think, um, <laughs> I think in all honesty, I think farmers in... in Britain need to need to really step up and make their voices heard uh, peacefully, of course, um, because there's a lot of things going on in Britain um, with regards to the farmers, especially when it comes to paying the government giving out pay packages for farmers to actually quit instead of um, or right. to to stop farming in general. They say, if you want to stop farming, no worries. Here's a paycheck. And it's on the government website, which is quite scary. I don't know why. Uh, I mean, the unions have said nothing. I've emailed them. Uh, I've tried to get in contact with them. I've tried calling them, not picking up their phones to me. But um, I don't know what's going on there. It's really, really weird. So there's something going on. And uh, I think the farmers need to, in the UK, need to sort of step up and say, look, what's going on here, lads? We need to sort something out. If they don't step up, you're going to have to. That hunger strike you've been talking about. Um, I mean, it's not hard. Your t food there is terrible. Uh, true. Nigel Farage, um, of course, the Brexiteer, UKIP, uh, he's moved to Getter. Now, the reason why we mention this is because Getter's getting into so much, let's call it, of the game lately. Um, if you watch that YouTube boxing series that happened, and we know you did, Lewis, because there's so many Brits involved in that. Sam Hyde, uh, he's, he's not British, but KSI, Desi, mm -hmm. all these other British YouTubers there. Getter sponsored that event, so they've been really been yeah. making power moves. And along with that, you wrote about Nigel Farage joining. Uh, mm. I believe he shared your story, so kudos. He did, he did on on Getter, uh, which was cool. Yeah, he he's joined the the social media platform. Uh, I think it's an interesting move because, um, you know, as you know, Nigel Farage being a, a former UKIP uh, leader and of course uh, leader for the Brexit Party now Reform UK. And um, and at the minute, um, what we're seeing is um, this big transition of a lot of the conservative commentators and, of course, broadcasters now are actually uh, changing their sort of handle. Um, 
of course, Nigel Farage as well was at the event too and watched the boxing. And he actually mentioned um, that he wouldn't mind doing a charity box with uh, with Boris Johnson. Very good. <laughs> Which was extremely interesting. Um, so that was uh, so that was quite interesting. I don't know if you could find a video. I think he actually pinned it on his profile, which was interesting. Um, so we can definitely react to that. Justin Trudeau versus Putin should be on that card. Um, we got to get Jacinda <laughs> against like the Finnish prime minister on that card. There's a lot of matchups you could get. Um, we're doing a political boxing match. I mean, that was that was All originally Kyle the white collar boxing. Yeah. Yeah, the, the white collar boxing was originally, you know, blue collar guys, politicians, other people getting together and uh, having a scrap. And um, that was that was just how it, how it was formed, really, wasn't it? Of course, it? who the can white forget the days. Irish Gypsy boxing documentary that we all know and love? Of course. Sending of course. each other VHS tapes back and forth. forth. Guys so biting mate. each other. You know the one. Yeah. All right, let's yeah, play this clip. Do- you and Boris Johnson? Oh, I do. I, I, I could deal with him. <laughs> <laughs> Boris, if you're listening now, let's do it. Uh, that's awesome. Nigel, thanks for talking. Nice to meet you. Awesome. You and that Boris was, Johnson? Uh, quick and to the point there. Let's uh, set it up. Sponsored by Getter. Sponsored by Rebel News. Sponsored by Downton Abbey, which <laughs> Lewis is in the new movie um, that just came out this past springtime. You know, there's different Downton Abbey movies. They went to France in this one. Lewis plays one of the butlers. Um, that they bring with them, not to be confused with his two episodes in season two where he's actually just a, a kitchen hand in uh, the basement there. I think we run out of time, Lewis. Make sure you Google Lewis Bradfield. Perfect down timing to, to run out of time straight <laughs> after that. Absolutely insane. It's just fake news. We Absolute have more news. chats. That's not fake news, Lewis. Don't lie to us. Uh, King seven seven thirty four a dollar. Thank you very much. Are you two competing to see who looks like a more filthy douche with a beard? A more that's interesting. How you know <laughs> you're watching the show yes. and paying to participate in the show only to hate us. Yes, but I guess we did approve but... of hateful comments, and we are quite used to it on this show. And secondly, Lewis Brackpool of Rebel mm. News UK, our beards look wonderful. This is officially known as the handsome cast. Get with it. The beard cast. All you need is glasses and we'll look pretty much like, well, you won't look as good as me, but we'll look similar. I don't have any glasses at hand. Sorry about that. I'll just have to sit Sorry there. Sorry about that. Just going to grab a can of Heinz and be on my way. That's it, mate. That's it. <laughs> the blue can. The UK beans. Is that it? Heinz. Okay. Ah. Adam Ottawa once again. Battle of the Beards. I think Lewis wears it better. Thank you very much, good sir. <laughs> they Thank you very me, much, good sir. Every single they live stream, mind. they just know Look how to this. get to me. Look this, at this is the culture I foster. I've done the line perfectly. I've done under the chin perfectly. I mean, look at that. I look mean, at my line. Symmetrical. Look at that. That's perfect. Now you're you're look under your neck, bruv. What Have a little it? look at your neck. You want to look you at go. my neck? Look. What are you yeah, looking at my neck for? Nobody's talking about necks. Look Can't at that. even see Look the at neck. Okay, so because I didn't line up the bottom part, I'm being condemned now. Is this how we're going to do go. the show next time? <laughs> Welcome to the Rebel News live stream. I'm Lewis. <laughs> this is Andrew. Would you like to yeah, see mate. up my nose for an extra $5? Um, Go ahead. Maminka, $10. Thank you very much. Both beards are perfectly good looking. Wow, guys this is getting... Completely envious. 
There we go. That's very kind. This is Thank a battle, you very much. A true Perfectly battle of the beards. Looking. We had never had this. I'm just going to keep mine growing. But yours like is gingerfied, isn't it? Yeah, it is, mate. Anglo. Yeah, it's a British thing. Yeah, Anglo. Uh, Sean and Marie, 83, $10. Thank you very much. Um, we need to be kind to each other, <laughs> says the guy who admits that he uses divisive politics as part of his shtick. Thank you, um, and much love and respect to everyone at Rebel. Thank you very much, uh, Shauna. We're so nice to each other here. Well. I don't know what she means. <laughs> I know she's talking about Trudeau. Jessica yeah. Hyde, sister of Sam Hyde. Go ahead. <laughs> Two dollars. Uh, when I lived in London 30 years ago, I was told not to drink the tap water. What are they doing differently now with the water purification? Well, they've added more f uh, fluoride to the water. That's actually quite a new development. I think that came out... Uh, Earlier this year or, or last year, Sajid Javid, the health secretary, actually announced that. Um, and everyone went, yeah, that's awful. And then nobody followed up. Nothing. As they will. <laughs> Just, you know, classic. Um, so, yeah, more fluoride in the water. Forced medication, if you ask me. Um, <laughs> oh, they so, you know, forced medication, for if you ask me. It's not forced medication. What do you mean? <laughs> a forced medication. Technically, it is. So, you know, uh, Jessica Hyde, $1. They probably all live at home with their parents. I hope they get more than a slap on the wrist. Ah, the, the eco-warriors. Yes. Yeah. Nobody yeah. In the right Even the, the old lady as well, you know, leaving her, uh, I don't know, um, old people's home. Wow. Prejudice. That's it, Olivia? Okay. Rebelnews.com slash live streams is where you get your daily feed. Don't forget, we'll be featuring... The head honcho Ezra Levant on some of the live streams. Uh, so keep it locked to the website for that. Keep a track of our Twitter. Give us a like and a retweet all the time to please Yankee Pollock on our social medias, our Instagram and Twitter. And Getter, of course, where we just mentioned Nigel Farage is on now. Lewis is on my show tomorrow. Watch that. He'll be with Bryce and Gray. Uh, they're pretty much the same guy. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Uh, so watch that on rebelnewsplus.com. Closing remarks, Lewis Brackpool. Yeah. Um, stay safe. Stay sane. Wow. Stealing and, uh, David Menzies' lines. Unbelievable. There you go. Is, is that literally what he says? He says, stay sane. And then I hit the microphone. Ah. And then we fade away. Uh, well, I'm just going to say stay safe. Yeah. Stay yeah. safe, stay sane, and never give in to the WEF. Never give up, never surrender. Galaxy Quest. Play us out, Olivia. Hey guys, Katie Davis Court reporting for Rebel News. I am on the ground today at the Edmonds Kingston Ferry Terminal trying to bring light to an issue caused by Governor Inslee's vaccine mandate for state workers. Now, in October of 2021, thousands of state workers were fired for not getting vaccinated. And among those, hundreds belonged to the Department of Transportation, which significantly impacted manpower for Washington State Ferries. What would normally take me um, an hour to two hours can take three to, to four to five hours, depending on the ferry lines. What do you think is the cause of the delays? Oh, uh, it's uh, from uh, Governor Isley about the, the, the pandemic of the COVID virus. But four and a half hours, I was literally on the boat. It was leaving four and a half hours after my original scheduled time that I had a reservation for. I think the only way that the wait times can change is if we bring back the workers who really want to work.